we go. Episode 245, Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. And you are in store for what I think is a fantastic, really thought-provoking chat with Nathaniel Perales. And he's a photographer. He used to live in LA. I've actually done a couple shoots with him, but he is now in the region of Portland, Oregon. And I I have been a huge fan of his work for many years, so much so that many of his photos actually are the cover photos for my albums or my singles. If you look back on probably the last four, five, six, seven releases, all of his photography has ended up being uh, used as the cover photos for my records or singles. And I, I think his eye is just phenomenal. And I it's it's strange, but you know, obviously, and we talk about this, but photography has sort of become so diluted now because you know our phones, we can all take photos and we can all add filters. But it's funny, as much as I try to take great photos, and I think I do okay, when I look at Nathaniel's, I can see the difference between somebody who has this trained, quote-unquote, professional eye versus somebody who is, you know, like me, or, or somebody who is not professional. I mean, there's so many great photographers out there, but I do believe people like Nathaniel have this skill that is just beyond or unparalleled compared to others. He has a unique eye uh, when he is capturing nature photos and even urban photos, I I think is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, You can find him and his work um, at NathanielParalis.com. That's P-E-R-A-L-E-S. I'll put that. I'll put the link in the notes section of the podcast. He's obviously on Instagram as well, at NathanielParalis. And very briefly here, it's, it's... Interesting. I, I, I don't want to say that one podcast is better than another, but I just thoroughly enjoyed this chat. And, and we obviously talk a lot about technology, social media, photography, artistry, and, and balancing this incredibly beautiful but tumultuous society with the craft of creativity. And I guess what I loved about this chat with Nathaniel is we try to unravel it all and and objectively, without judgment, talk about this very strange, often beautiful, often confusing society and trying to navigate it as artists. Look, you probably know what's going on in the world. There's a lot of tragedy happening right now. And, and I hope these conversations, these chats maybe raise the frequency of empathy, maybe raise the frequency of sensitivity and trying to understand where other people are coming from. I think Nathaniel and I, you know, disagree a little bit, but there's something about the way that we communicate where even when we're disagreeing, we're listening. And I thought it was just a really life-affirming chat. And, you know, I've been doing this podcast for a few years, and it was just something about this one where I was just... I was just in it for an hour and a half. A huge thanks to Nathaniel for finally joining me on the show. As I said, I'm, I've just been a huge fan of his work. You can find him again at NathanielParalis.com. You can find him on Instagram. Uh, I really think you're going to enjoy this one. If, if you do, please share it with your friends. 
Maybe write a review on iTunes or give it a five star on Spotify. I've been getting a bunch of listens in Europe over the last few weeks, so I'm not sure how you're finding out about the show, but it means a lot that you've jumped on board the ship of the spiritual spiral. It, it really means a lot. Um, you know where to find me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. And I really hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Nathaniel, thanks again for not only your amazing photography and your amazing work, but just for being a guest on my show. It means a lot. And as always, thanks to you for listening, supporting, being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. What's up, dude? How are you? There we go. I'm, uh... I'm really good, man. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, too. Thanks for doing this. You know, you know Leslie Ridings, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't talked to, talked to him in a really long time, but yeah, I do. I feel like either he introduced me to you or you introduced me to him. I forget. Yeah, I think... I don't know, actually. Uh, yeah, it's hard It's it's hard to know. Yeah, well, I got... A long time I, ago. I've got, like, um... I've been working on a bunch of new music and like five songs are done. And so, of course, w- without a video, music does not exist. So we, we're shooting some music videos in the next couple months. So that'll be... That'll oh. Be, yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. That'll be awesome. It'll be great. I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see what they're like. Yeah, me too. It, it's... Uh, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's weird. I've... I've I, Sorry, the only distraction from from this interview, this conversation, will be my cat, who always walks in whenever I do a podcast. So that's that's the only <laughs> that's the only hurdle. Um, that's cool with me. I love cats, so yeah. no worries. Are you, um, yeah, I've been. I, I took a little pause from the podcast. Just um, sort of, I wanted to, to creatively focus more on. Um, just my my music and and sort of writing and that kind of thing but the last month i've i've felt the energy return to uh have these types of talks about creativity and and art and how creativity is influenced i think for the good and for the worse by by technology if but but we could talk about that um yeah and and i think um let me let me raise a point that I've been I've been making recently to some previous guests and and I want to hear your response. Okay. Cool. So like on the one hand it's it's wonderful that these tools that have have sort of come into our lap can can really uh, promote a lot of creativity like a lot of big Artists are using GarageBand, which you can basically get for free to to onto yeah. onto an iPad, and and so to have access, you know, years ago you needed to spend fifty, a hundred thousand dollars to make a record and go to an actual studio, and and now you know for like ten thousand dollars you can get a great computer, a great microphone, a preamp, and and you know you can you can be all set, mm-hmm. and yeah, so really. like I've been thinking. So it's good, but it feels like it's more diluted now than ever. And then I think, uh, to, yeah. And then I think, well, how does one break through? And so then, of course, I think about you as a photographer, and to think like anybody, quote unquote, 
can just grab their phone and take photos. And and Instagram sort of started out as this very photo-centric app, and God, how it's evolved and changed over the years. Surprisingly. Yeah, so I kind of want to backtrack and and get sort of your history into photography, but I couldn't help but feel compelled to begin by sort of talking about that and and how that all makes you feel and, and how you sort of emotionally toggle photography and then and then the app world of instagram yeah i mean um yeah i will say that i do think that it's extremely diluted for sure um and that's in that's in kind of everything not just not just art um but and and i think access has been uh, like you said incredible like it's 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 wonderful that um you know, even if you wanted to make a movie, right? Like you could, you could, you could pick up an iPhone and you can make a movie. And there's been movies that have been made on iPhones that are surprising. But um, you know, and 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 to think like, like what is you know professional art, quote unquote, versus, yeah. um, you know, what is like amateur art? <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I, I. I have a love hate relationship with technology. I mean, I, I think I use it with my art and I also like use it with my work. And so, um, you know, I grew up back before the iPhone. So it was like computers were kind of all that, you know, all that I had and, um, and the possibilities even then seemed like, like totally incredible. Right. Like, you know, I was making like little home skate videos, you know, back when I was like 12, 13 with like, my mom's video camera, you know, but then we would like edit them on like my dad, my dad's PC. And then we would just like, yeah, watch them ourselves. Um, They're very DIY, but now like with everybody's iPhones, like they can just, you know, they can just do whatever they want. Um, So like, I think I will say that I don't, um, I don't like like where technology companies um, have been going. You know, I feel like, there's this theory called the the initiatification of apps and Wait, services overall. What's it called again? Say it again. Uh, initiatification. So it's like first the app or the like technology or the service is really amazing and and rad for users and like free. You know, like we can you know we could use like um, Instagram as an example for that. <clears throat> so at first Instagram was like rad you know like a place for photography a place to share photography a place to share your life and then you know as it continued uh the people that ran instagram felt this need to make money and so yeah and then they sell they sell the company to facebook and then you know what instagram once was now becomes just like a copy or a clone of facebook which then in turn becomes a copy or a clone of snapchat which then in turn becomes a copy or a clone of TikTok. So it's like, it's the slow progression of all technology that eventually will, will like kind of turn the corner of turning into, into shit service. I feel like the one thing that sucks about Instagram is there's really not a really, there's not a good competitor to it. And there's not really anything that replaces what it is. Um, but that doesn't mean like it's, it's, it's good. Cause yeah. I really think, I think the app is flawed. You know, I think like it's it's not a place for photographers to share their work. It's a place. It's a 
it's really just a place to be social, you know, and now with it wanting to be like TikTok with, you know, with videos, it's just like, it's not what it once was, well, obviously. That's, but it's interesting. Gosh, you're bringing up so many um, interesting points because, you know, if you think back, it really was primarily a place to share your art, your photography. And, and it didn't even necessarily have to be quote unquote art. It could just be you were taking a photo. Yeah, your life. Yeah, your life. And mm-hmm. now there is this um, frenzied pace for apps. They want people to spend their time there, which which ultimately is sort of what you're saying, to be social, whether it's to share stories or to share reels or to they obviously added messages so that's another way for people to quote unquote communicate right Um, yeah and that sort of goes in line with um their pursuit to make money because and the more money they make will be based on how much time people spend there ultimately i think because if you spend more time there, they're getting more information about your habits and what you like and what you don't like. And that, that's, and they could push advertising, exactly. you know, and that's old. That's like the ultimate goal. I think, especially with Facebook is like, they just, you know, now it's getting to the point where like you, you go on someone's feed and like the whole idea of I'm going on someone's feed is like, it's like a curated like expression of this person, right? Like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're scrolling down and then what they'll do is they'll put an ad in the middle of their feed, yeah. which is like, you know, which if someone has like created, you know, a vibe of <laughs> of their like style. Right. And then you just see a fucking ad of something that's like, what? It really does take it takes me out of it. And I really I really dislike it. It makes it really makes me not want to use it, to be mm. honest. And I think like I've I've slowly been, you know, receding, a, you know, a bit by bit. But I think that that question opens up like, OK, so where? You know, not that we do everything for Instagram or it's not like we do everything for fame, but like, where do I share my work then? You know, and, and I think there's, there's alternatives, but of course that means like more commitment, more work. Like it is, um, yeah, I mean, there was, there was like art before Instagram, you know, like Instagram is not everything. So I think, I think for me, it's like taking a step back and thinking about like, how do I want to represent my art? You know, and, and even if I'm not getting like daily feedback, like that's okay. You know, and I think we've all been so expectant of oh, this, God. like, immediate feedback of, like, posting work, you're getting likes, you're getting comments, like, Boy, oh, you, I'm doing good. You, you are, know? you are, um, I'm feeling my body melt because you're touching on <laughs> something that I am so curious and passionate about. And it's that, that interesting, mysterious place of when you create something and other than maybe, hey, I want to send this to Nathaniel because I'm curious what he thinks to to yeah. what like my my network of of close, intimate artist friends who will be right. uh, will be honest with me and say that's working, that's not that inspired. Like that is a very close knit community that yeah. I really cherish, and and I think we all need that. But but mm-hmm. to just and then also there's that that area of being patient with your work is done, but then once you release it into that world of Instagram, it it, it then 
brings you down that rabbit hole of, of what do people think and, and, and is it getting likes? And, it, and are people really even noticing it or are they just you know sitting on the toilet or in the post office quickly looking at something? Whereas as, yeah. as opposed to if you're showing your work at a gallery where they're actually focused and the intent is there to look at work. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as humans, I think we all like, are feeding for that validation or we're like yearning for the validation. And, um, and I don't think we're going to get it ever from Instagram, hmm. you know, like, hmm. like I want to say that like, yeah, that like momentary satisfaction that you get or that like momentary, like hit a dope, dopamine that you get when you see that like people are reacting to it, like that is worth it. But as far as like it being maybe like a little bit like larger or wider or maybe standing like the test of time in a certain way, I don't know if Instagram is the place that we should be putting so much focus towards. And I think that like it's been a big ploy over the last like 10 or 12 years or actually probably a little bit longer, maybe 16, 17 years to make art for a company that is just looking for people to keep using the app. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're doing it for them actually. Like we're doing it for the gatekeepers of of the product and we saw that really, really um, we saw it like right in front of our eyes when they were trying to do the whole like transition to TikTok thing where like, you know, people were posting just photos and it was getting like no traction whatsoever in the, in the quote algorithm. Right. Because they wanted people to make reels and like that is like so fucked up (laughs) and that's not, that's not fair to people who don't make reels. I, I or agree with you. people who don't want to make reels. You know, it's like, just because Facebook says that this is the way that you have to stay relevant doesn't mean it's true. You know, it just means that they're gatekeeping. And it just means that they're like controlling their own narrative so that eventually they'll make more money so that they can compete with TikTok. You know, like it's just, it's like a, it's like a rat race yeah. that, you know, that Facebook is like trying to control the amount of views that they're getting so they continue to make money ultimately. And I, and I, and I think like, we don't have to really think about it like on such a huge level where it's like, okay, we have to fight the system. Cause like, I think you're right. Like we build audiences. There's obviously audiences on Instagram. There's obviously people that support art there, you know, but I mean, as a photographer, I feel like sometimes my work should be viewed larger than on an iPhone, you know? Well, and that, my br- work sh- that brings yeah. up, that brings up an interesting point because I was reading this book by David Byrne about how technology impacts creativity. And it's sort mm. of the, and sort of that tug of war that goes on because I used to think and and still does to this to an extent, I felt like artists shaped the the movement of culture. Um they yeah. they had sort of the power. Um they inspired people to uh pick up a camera, to pick up a guitar. And right. it feels like technology is sort of out in front. Like technology now influences how art is made. I, I feel like technology, in, in, in your example with reels, like that then made people feel like they had to make reels. Like, like Instagram is controlling what art is being made, whereas it felt like 
15, 20 years ago, and look, clearly there's examples where they stand, um, they don't go with the grain, but it feels like artists just kind of like did whatever the fuck they wanted and, and it just had to be good and people flocked to it and then tried to uh, repeat it, be like mm-hmm. that particular artist. But it feels like more artists are trying to do what the algorithm or the app wants us to do. And I think that's a dangerous uh, place. Yeah. To, it, it feel, again, that sort of takes some of the uniqueness of art away. Um, and again, I'm not trying to be some curmudgeon old man here where I think like, oh, imagine if Robert Plant like posted videos when he's in the studio or, or um, I, I don't know, like, right. It, it, and it's, it's interesting, like, I guess we have to, um, because that's where the culture is primarily now. Um, but again, these, these are things that I, I struggle with a lot. And, and I, I think about it a lot. Totally. No, I, I think so too. I mean, I think like, a part of me feels like if you're if if the art is good, like it'll find the right audience, you know, to a certain extent. But I also think like we shouldn't be doing things just for Instagram. Like we should be making art for other places or other things or other other ways to like display it. You know, I, I had a, a photo teacher once say, um, you know, if you're looking through the viewfinder and you find yourself taking a picture because of the reaction that you want to get on Instagram, you've lost your artistic practice. Yeah. Which I thought was like pretty, yeah, pretty smart because yeah, it's like, that's not, you know, that's not the point. We're not doing this for likes, I think, you know, and that's, and that's like where the, the validation needs to come from within yeah, it's so you know, hard. Rather, to, yeah. rather than come externally. No, it is hard. I agree. Um, but there's way, you know, I think like, you know, I, I follow like a lot of artists, obviously, on, on Instagram and TikTok, of course, and like I've seen their journeys too. So there's this one named uh, Luna Lee. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's um, like a Canadian artist. Um, and she started during COVID and she made these like, like one minute songs and um she just put them on tiktok and like she blew up you know and she like she went turned with japanese breakfast she did her own tour too after covid um and it was all just from her like you know kind of like like being herself you know and and um and i i i'm like yeah like good for luna lee like she deserves and her band deserves all the credit that they can get um and then I and then there's this other artist that I found, and they're based in um, in Australia, and of course I can't think of her name right now, but her and her like her boyfriend they like make these like really funny videos, um, like they're like really random, and and then and then I started following her music, and her music is like pretty like I would say pretty good, but now she's like touring and like playing festivals, and it's all from her and her boyfriend like doing these weird ass like comedy videos okay and then and then there's this one last guy named gucci pineapple i don't know if you've heard of him but he's based in pineapple he's based in boston okay and he is an amazing jazz musician went to went to berkeley school music he's from eugene oregon and he like has this weird character that he plays around boston but his stuff is like really like tender and authentic he's like a really like nice 
guy. Like, like he'll walk around Boston and he'll be like, they're like, hey guys, like, um, you know, let's let's gas up these old people. And he'll like walk past old people and he'll be like, hey, why does your drip look so good? And be like, and then the, the people will be answering and they'll be. It's like so random and so funny. But like he he like became friends with like the ne- the needle drop guy. Uh-huh. And and so all I'm saying is like there's ways on social media I think that you can like cheat the system right so that people will notice your art. And so I feel like these. These, I mean, Luna Lee is a little bit left of that example, but, um, but definitely like Gucci, Gucci Pineapple, and um, and that the other artist from Australia who I'll think about in a second, um, but they are like ch- kind of cheating the system in the sense that they're like they're like using the platform for what it's for, which is to like, kind of, be sensational to a certain extent yeah, or like play a character, yeah, you know, be an entertainer, and then like infiltrate with their actual music. Yeah. And then and then and then become become big. And and I don't think that that's like I mean good on them that they have the ability of being able to do that. But like I don't think that I could ever do that personally because I feel like I'm too I'm too fucking drawn to the craft that it's like yeah. if I try to become this other character then that like takes away from the art. And I think that that's my own Maybe my own blockage. No, I think own, um, like- I think there's a. I talk about this. There's a particular subset of of culture of creative culture. I don't know if they're merely introverts. Uh, I don't know if 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 it's challenging for them to emotionally toggle between quote unquote marketing attention Nathaniel versus the creator Nathaniel. Uh, but yeah. I do think the particular artist now who likes it because. I think a lot of artists uh, are so, um, they thrive on solitude and the craft and and Mm -hmm. the the process. They don't quite know how to handle or be that attention, quote unquote, whore. You know, and I, cause I think a lot of those people, yeah. they just, they just feed on attention and, and, and constantly uh, posting videos about themselves. There is, I think there's a, a narcissistic quality to it for sure. Uh, but I think there's a subset of society that just isn't comfortable doing that, but they're still fantastic at art. But in this day and yeah. age, they may not become quote unquote successful or as huge as the pineapple person just because they don't Whole, they don't have that quality that in this culture uh, thrives, and that's really putting yourself out there over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. Totally. I think that like some artists, or maybe as artists, we might like take ourselves a little too seriously and we'll be like, "Oh no, we're not like them," or "Oh no, that like cheapens the art." When you know, I don't know. I think like saying that they are narcissistic, which I'm sure some of them are, could come off as a little judgmental because we yeah. don't really know. Absolutely. Them. You know, but I think it does make us feel better to say that because we're not that, right? Like, I was well, having a discussion with my friend and I'm the not other even, day. Well, I'm not, I'm not even, well, it's interesting. I'm not even saying narcissistic in a judgmental negative way, but I'm, okay. I'm reading a lot of books about yeah, yeah. what technology is doing to the cerebral cortex of the brain. And that part of the brain is, is that it uh, exudes empathy 
and sympathy and thinks about others, that part mm-hmm. of the brain is getting torpedoed by this other segment of the brain that is becoming mm. more pronounced because uh, the more you spend on social media, it brings mm. it 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 allows that part of the brain to usurp the cerebral cortex. And that part of the other brain is often associated with narcissistic qualities. And wow. that's that's just a reality. Totally. Which which you know, I, I, I like wholeheartedly agree. I think social media, I mean, for so long, like I, you know, I would feel depressed about, about myself hmm. because it's so easy to compare yourself to other people. Yeah. It's so easy to like, to see someone else's successes and think to yourself like, Oh, why, why aren't I there? Or, you know, or even just like the whole idea of FOMO, seeing your friends out and then and then you feeling left out because you weren't invited for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, all, all. let me let me emphasize to my listeners that Nathaniel's 17 years old. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no the funny thing I'm I'm kidding, but the reality is I said this to my last guest. I mean, I'm I'm like a we're, 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 I'm old, older than you, but we're like adults here and we still yeah. have those very childlike high school emotions attached to this device. Completely. Hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Uh, just to touch back on that on the subject really quickly. Like, yeah. Sorry. That I was having. I was having a discussion with my friend, and he was like, he was talking about Gucci Pineapple, and he was like, he was like, you know, do you like his videos? And I was like, yeah, I think he's like really funny and wholesome. And he was like, he's like, I just don't understand, like, 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 why are people putting on an act? Like, you think mm. that he's like that all the time? And I was like, no, he's definitely not like that all the time. He's obviously putting on it. He's like, I don't understand that. Like, it doesn't. He, this is what he said. He said it doesn't make sense why they're doing that. Why don't they just go get a normal job or why don't they just go get a real job? And I was like, okay, wow. Yeah. That's a little, like a little slash a lot judgmental. But also I think like even, even he, he's not an artist. He's just like a normal person. Like like looking at Instagram, you know, he has like a tech job, but he's mostly in sales. Like he's just like a normal guy, like not trying to prove anything to anybody basically. Yeah. And yet he still is like, frustrated with how the internet creates people's personalities like you said probably because of narcissism because we like the attention because we want to get to you know the next level in in like our society yeah and at the moment our society is rewarding people who have large personalities on the internet and that's essentially why there's like a huge inflation of all of this stuff on the internet that seems like so crazy and so extra. And it's because people are being rewarded through likes, through like contracts with companies, through their fan base. And, and it really makes you think like, like, like why are we rewarding? Why are we rewarding these people? You know what I mean? Just even, even people that have like, Okay, I I don't want to go too far on this tangent, but there's another there's another podcast that I listen to, and they were talking about how, um, you know how basically like like movie studios will now pay critics for um for their opinion about a movie, and you know because of because the studios are financing them, it's like, are they really being truthful? Oh my god, this is with what they're saying. Okay, finish your point because right? I have to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, and so, so by rewarding critics or by rewarding people on TikTok or by rewarding Instagram influencers, it you know they're 
they're it's like it's like we're losing authenticity. You know what I mean? We're losing like like critics should not be paid by the fucking studio to give an opinion about a movie so that they'll get a better rating on Rotten Tomatoes. You know what I mean? Like wow, gosh, I want to I want to backtrack. I had no idea we we're going to go down this, but this is so interesting. So this is a, a theory of mine. And it's very complicated, but I'll try and articulate it because it's it's it, it touches on what you're saying. I don't think our culture knows what's good or bad anymore for for multiple reasons. I think the critic has been destroyed. Like the authentic, high quality, highbrow critic who who actually has good taste. That person mm. has been destroyed by a fucking number on Rotten Tomatoes. Like people have no yeah. interest. People have no interest in reading a Peter Travers review in the Rolling Stone. They just want to see does it have eighty or, or higher on Rotten Tomatoes. The other issue is we live in this world now where you can't criticize anything because if you do, then they throw out that word hater. And I have to say. Um, and we have a bunch of like sycophants in the world where everybody's just like kissing everybody's ass because they want to uh, retain or get to that next, they want to get to that next level. Like there was just something on Instagram where they're rating Christopher Nolan's uh, four best or best movies. And the top four were like Oppenheimer and Interstellar and two others. And I I know I'm, I'm people. Inception. Inception, yeah. Um Oppenheimer, I thought, was way too long, incredibly boring, and just about as loquacious and over-talkative as you could possibly get. And every moment of that movie had sound, like a score. Score is beautiful. Yeah. The score is beautiful. It's visually stimulating. But did a lot of heavy lifting. But what, thank you, what makes a, a movie intimate and powerful is when there's actually moments of like quiet. And, and it, when there's quiet, it draws you in and it, it makes you want to pay attention. But when you have a score going the entire time and nonstop dialogue happening the entire time, I'm just, I just, I didn't like it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I love uh, Memento. I love Prestige. I the Prestige is, is hands down, I think it's best film. Inc- personally, I yeah. agree. I, th- I thought Dunkirk was pretty good. I think he did Dunkirk or was it 1917? Yeah, he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like Dunkirk. My point is, is that like, he is getting blandishment after blandishment. Like there is nobody out there that is criticizing. It, it took me like a couple hours to find a critical review of, of Oppenheimer that was actually like objective and not just kissing his ass. So mm. I, I somehow, I forgot what you said, but I think that, that led me down this ta- tangent. But we live in this strange world now where I don't know if, oh, I remember what you said about critics. Yeah, critics are getting paid to 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 write good reviews. People are getting um, rewarded for doing something that's attention grabbing on an app, and then right. it seems like you can't criticize something because then oh you're just being an asshole or being negative. When the reality is is that when art is elevated, I think it raises the frequencies of of culture. When when everything is is fantastic, it makes the world better. But if you can't right. even if you can't if Christopher Nolan doesn't have somebody in his camp that's saying you know you may want to get rid of the score there or maybe you want like if if people are scared to or maybe maybe make the dialogue like easy to understand yeah because like I had no idea what was going on yeah. in like the first half of the whole movie I, was I agree like, what are they saying what like 
Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it just it, when you were talking about critics getting paid, I, I've know I've known that about culture, but you're right. Like, if the people that are paid to be objective about a piece of work, if they're actually getting paid to be complimentary, how can we possibly trust or know what we should be paying attention to? And then if Instagram is favoring those people that are just, you know, completely. Yeah. It's it's uh, I, totally and. And I, I completely agree, agree with you on all of that. And 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 also like um, the other thing, the other reason why we can't really trust a lot is because these systems have been easy to take advantage of, and these companies will use them to like uh, in in whatever way they can. So, for example, like um, this actually didn't work very well for Indiana Jones. But whenever a movie's coming out, what they'll do. It's what I read as well is that they will they will only let the people that they know will give them a positive review see the movie so that and then so that keeps the score on Rotten Tomatoes as high as it can possibly be until eventually it is released to the general public. Yeah, which is another way of beating the system and like and manipulate you know and manipulating people. And I, I think it I think it's really disgusting, honestly. <laughs> like it I is. really do. No, it is. And and just to go back to your, um, to your point about about how it does feel like you can't have um, you can't have like a real opinion about things is yeah it's true like the hate the hate will come I mean I think luckily like I don't have like that huge of a following so I'm not really have to I don't have to worry too much about about me you know um, giving my opinion online and, and getting like a whole lot of hate back from it or anything like that but. But I have seen that online, you know, and and it is scary. It's like scary to I I don't even want to be like a person that has a personality on Instagram because or on TikTok because like what if I say the wrong thing and then it's like oh I get you know it, yeah it, it's it's yeah it's like you said yeah the culture feels very um, I don't know it's just it's just a weird time I it really is a weird time yeah yeah, we, yeah. um. What outside of Instagram? Give me some technology. It could be de- devices or apps or somewhere that you go. Um, what are some areas that actually do make you feel like uh, inspired or or you're curious about? You know, I, I like there has to be because I want to backtrack. But before we go there, give me something current that that does make you feel like oh, we're onto something. Um, I mean, I, uh, I moved from Los Angeles to Portland, so I live in the Pacific Northwest now and I, um, I love like, I love the nature here. I also love how like slow paced it is. Um, one thing that, uh, is kind of interesting. My girlfriend just moved up here to Portland from LA too. And, and one thing that she noticed, she was like, I don't understand how like nobody asks me what I do up here. Huh. And, and I thought. And that was the same like kind of shock that I had too, because you know you live in LA, so there's always this like kind of like hustle culture that exists, yeah, and yeah. like you're always trying to like prove to everybody that you're kind of doing something or that like you're on to the next big thing. And um, that was like a pretty depressing time for me, like in my early 20s when I like felt like I was just you know kind of in progress. Yeah. Even though like what you realize as you get older is like you're always in progress. Like there's never like a moment that you actually reach. Um, cause even when you reach it, you're still wanting something more. 
So the secret is just like embracing every moment that we have, even while we're growing. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, so being here and not having to feel like I have to like prove anything to anybody, um, has been a really like, like wonderful change, um, just in my whole like idea of existence. Um, and going to, you know, hike in, in the woods is probably like my favorite pastime. That's like where I feel the most, the most at home, I think. Yeah. Are there, yeah. are there any sites online that you like to go to um, or help you with your photography or, um, or are you pretty much analog and then the only, and then you make it digital by putting it on um, the social media platforms? I, I don't know. I, I think I use technology so much like for my photography and then also just for work as well. But I try to stay off a little bit. Yeah. And I've been getting like, I've been reading a lot of books this year. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm just kind of like a science fiction nerd. So I like read a lot of science fiction. I read the, the books. Um, I don't know if you saw that show on Apple TV. It's called Silo. It came out this year. I have no of it. I didn't see it. So that, those are based off books. Okay. I, I just, I just powered through all three of those books and they're like, they're like 500 pages each. <laughs> and it was just like one of the most emotional experiences I've ever, I've ever had. Like, wow. Yeah. So I've been reading a lot. I'm currently on Dune right now. You're currently on what? Dune. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I think like like I feel like a little jaded about the internet. I feel a little jaded about like about technology. Like I'm just like it's all capitalism is behind everything. So yeah, everything's it's over, trying to make yeah. money. It's yeah, overwhelming. Everything's trying to make money. Yeah. How do you find how do you find the real stuff? So. I mean, I think like the one, the one thing that I really like is, you know, Spotify, my discover weekly is always really nice. Bandcamp, Bandcamp weekly is also uh, something that I like, I'm constantly listening to. But you actually brought up an interesting point when you were describing either getting lost or, or going, you know, going to a movie where you don't read the critics. Watch a trailer. Watch a trailer. Yeah. yeah. You don't know anything or, about it. Yeah, I don't read any reviews. I don't look at any trailers. Well, my, I usually don't even know when the movie's coming out yeah. until I see it like on the billboard outside. Well, my point is is that I also think about what tech and social media and algorithms have done to one's own innate ability to be curious. And mm. you know, Spotify is giving you the music they think that you're going to enjoy and Netflix is right. feeding you the shows that you want to enjoy. And I think there is something to be said about what you were just touching on about, you know, discovering something on your own. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. It's just something I, I, I think a lot about. And I, I thought about that when you were talking. Um, and the other thing I think of, I was thinking about when you were talking, um, do you notice people don't ask you questions like they used to? Hmm. I don't know. Do you feel like people are inquisitive and want to know more about you? That's a good question. I guess maybe... It's hard to say. I, I really like try my best not to judge, you know? Yeah. But I think if I were to think about it, yes. Yeah, people don't... I mean, like... Yes, you know, people have, people don't ask like they used to. Yeah, I think so. It's something that I've. I, it's weird. Like uh, your your flow with me, 
you like give answers, but then you actually like pause and, and are curious about what I have to say. And, and yeah. that is something that is not a regular occurrence. And mm. also I've noticed in my day to day over the last few years, it feels like people forget to ask me questions. And mm -hmm. it's just something um, that I've sort of noticed over the last few years, sort of just the, the, the change in the ebb and flow of a conversation, how that sort of evolved mm -hmm. and changed over the years. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that like, um, so of course, like I, I kind of am like a little bit of a devil's advocate or not a devil's advocate, but I'm like, I'm like, you know, a very forgiving person. Yeah. I'm extremely empathetic. Um, and I understand like how difficult it is to like exist in this society that yeah. we've been born into. And, um, and so I think I've been blessed with like the art of conversation. Huh. Like I think like luckily or thankfully I enjoy talking. Okay. I, am, I am extremely curious and I'm really good at like hitting the tennis ball of the conversation like back and forth with people. Yeah. But I do notice even with some of my closest friends that they do have a hard time like asking me questions, but I don't hold that against them. Because I really think that people have become socially awkward, mostly due to the internet. I think COVID was also a big, a big, huge part of it. Yeah. Um, that was like a big, like two, three year issue that we all had to kind of deal with of like fucking antisocial. You know, I still not think being... it's, a, I still think it's an issue. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're all still kind of like, you know, I used to be like a little bit more gung ho about a lot of things and I find myself sometimes getting uncomfortable when I'm like in places with a lot of people. Yeah. Just because it's like, I'm not used to doing that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when, so when I find that people are not that way, I don't, I don't hold it against them just because I, I know that for some people talking is easier for them than it is for others. Let me ask and I you. Think it's like, and I think it's hard for some people to like really touch on like, their emo like their emotions and and to be able to like tap into them and then like also articulate them to other people like yeah it and I and I forgive them for that because I know that it's hard you know not everybody is not everybody is like you know it's like hmm. we're all growing at different at different points you know so I can't expect every to, everybody to be at the same point and I can't expect myself to be at at someone else who's up here when I'm still down here you know yeah. it's like it's interesting though like. Touching on, okay, so you're more, I don't think they're bad people, but yeah. I, I do get my heart breaks a little bit because I do think technology has warped and destroyed people's innate, natural, I think being curious should be a natural human function. Yeah. I mean, one, I, I, I want to learn more about you. I, I want to talk to you. I, I want to keep getting better as a human being. I keep want to challenging myself. I keep wa I keep wanting to challenge myself. I keep wanting to meet people and talk to them because it it's it 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 enlivens my spirit. The problem right. though, I think technology and social media 
has destroyed people's perception of what a real human being should be. I think it's more difficult now for people to sit one-on-one in a conversation because they're not as interesting as an algorithm. Hmm. Am I making any mm-hmm. sense? No, no, yeah, you are. Like it's, sure. it's warping people's, like, like right now, if, if your brain wasn't so warped by social media and mine wasn't so warped by, like one could think, oh, this is actually a, a really, like compared to looking at porn or looking at like the feed of TikTok, how does this, mm-hmm. com- how does this compete? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're incomparable experiences. <laughs> sure. But yes, I do understand your point. <laughs> and I think that like overall, um, like I, I fear for, for children growing up. Yeah. You know, my my cousin's a pediatrician and she was like, I think she did her like her PhD thesis on um, the effect of technology on um uh, on like children between the ages of like two and five, essentially. <laughs> and what they were finding and what she was finding was that kids basically had to get glasses immediately because they were looking at screens that were so close to their eyes wow. that they were not able to see like far away. So they were having to get glasses so quickly when they were so young because of this. And that's just one part of the, the, the development that was causing issues based on using screens so much. Um, so a hundred percent, I agree with you. Like it is, it is. But then I also read like articles, you know, there was a New York times article that came out a couple months ago about a bunch of like kids in high school that like refused to get iPhones hmm. because they're like, we see what it does to our friends. Like we don't want to be, we don't want like our phones to control our lives basically. So I think like, I think you and I have been living through the last 15 years of the like, you know, future cell phone like lifestyle basically. And, and we're just seeing like the effects of it. But I think as with all things, there will be ebb and flow and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we'll realize what damage has done to our society. Well, before before I keep saying I want to backtrack, but yeah, um, you just said, and then I just hit record again. That I think about this stuff all the time, and I I I try not to, but I think I think about it a lot also. And I guess my last point here in this area is, you know, I finished five songs and I, I've got like four or five others that I'm working on. I'm going to go to the studio this week and we're going to start working on a five others. So my goal is to have like, cool. fi- my goal is to have like 15, 16 songs and come next year, I'm just going to release one every couple months. Nice. Um, music videos, or I, I'm not sure, play some Instagram live shows, try to do some gigs. But I think the reason why I think about it a lot is, um, I think about releasing art into the world that you and I have just been talking about. Mm-hmm. And how do I 
break through? How do I get anybody's attention? You're talking about this person, I forgot who, who actually Gucci is- Gucci Pineapple. Well, no, there's somebody else who's writing song oh. for, like writing one minute songs. Oh yeah, Luna Lee, yeah. So are we getting to the point now where a song needs to start and end in less than a minute? I mean, like, is that where we're headed? And, and for me to, I used to write like four to five minute songs and I've noticed that my songs now are all around three minutes and, and you know, you got to get to that chorus within like 30 seconds. And so then I think to myself, what am I? So you, so you see what technology has done to your music. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think it's fair. It it shouldn't be like that. Well, I don't even know. know, You should make the music that you want to make. Absolutely. That you feel compelled to make, not based on what you think people want to hear. It's not even, it's not even, I don't even know if I'm thinking about, but maybe I am. I'm not even thinking about what people want to hear. I'm actually thinking about, can anybody actually take three minutes to focus on one fucking song? And I, I don't mean, e- I think, well, I think that the, yes, they can. I don't know. I, I so. don't know. I'm not sure they can much anymore. Really? That's a big, that's a big generalization. I think. It's, I, you know, because you're, there are you're people right. out there that do listen absolutely. to music. Absolutely. You're you know, you're absolutely you know? you're absolutely right. It's I guess it feels like when I'm out in the world at large and I yeah. see people multitasking and and they're working with Netflix going on at the same time. That's crazy. Uh, going to concerts with their phone out all the time, out to dinner, kind of talking, but people yeah. are constantly looking down at texts. So w- it, when I see that in the world around me, I think to myself how how can anybody sit through five songs without being distracted? But but you're right that maybe like in their car or maybe home where I'm not with them. You know maybe it it is 100 percent. Unf- okay, great. 100 percent. Okay, I think so. I mean, like I hope so. again, I I could be generalizing myself, <laughs> but like I listen to music a lot, and I feel like it's not when I'm multitasking, or I mean, I, I could be showering, you know. But I think like. I went to a concert this past weekend and there was like, it was like a huge ass concert. There was, I'd never been to this, this venue before, but, um, but you know, like there was a lot of people and a lot of people knew the word and the songs were longer than three minutes long, okay. you know? And so I know for a fact that there are a lot of people that were listening to that music, you know? <laughs> Where, what, what band or artist was this? Um, it was Catronada or no, sorry, oh. they're called Catronine. So it's Catronada and then, this rapper Amine and they like created their own little project and Amine is from Portland. So it was like a pretty big, okay. it was like a big deal. Um, you know, but I mean, that's just like one, you know, I also went and saw Bonavere like a couple, like, like a month ago and like sold out show. Everybody knew the words. Like, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience and I've seen them so many times too. But like, I just, I just think that we shouldn't, I don't know. This goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I need we're to... all we're all trying to exist in this like in this again like exist in this society, you know. But we can't let our assumptions about the society define how we make art, right? Like, I think like that's that's been a journey that I've taken too, you know. Where it's like, okay, so as a photographer, like, what do I want to focus on? Like, like my my art is like not like it's just it's like nature. Like my art is nature, you know. And and I and I have like sold you know work. I I, I would say that like, you know, I, I'm a working photographer in the sense that like, I do make some money off of it. Yeah. 
but at the same time, like, I never really wanted to go the commercial route. Like I didn't want to be a commercial photographer. And so because like, because I made that distinction, I made that choice. Like I won't be making the money that I could be making if I were a commercial photographer. Well, but I just don't like it that much. What's the difference between a commercial photographer and, and what kind of photographer you are? Well, I would say like a commercial photographer, for example, is doing shoots for like, Target or like other brand, not Target, sure. Target's like a much bigger brand, but like any brand, you know, especially with e-commerce now, like there's so much work to be, to be, there's so much money to be made for photographers for these brands, you know, and, and, and it's just not something that I personally enjoy doing. And so I choose not to do that. Yeah. Um, where I could be like, oh, you know, like all sacrifice. I think that this is the like, this is the conversation that all artists has to have to have like with themselves at some point is like, and I don't, and it's not selling out, but it's like, do I want to make money? Do I want to survive off of this art? Or do I want to just make art for art's sake? Because I love to make it. Yeah. And, and so do we, do we like wiggle and morph our art so that it's like more accepted to a general audience or do I, do I morph my vision so that I fit it into, you know, what the client wants, which is like, obviously, of course, like, I think that's like another part of, of art that is like an art in itself is being able to like bring to life what others, what somebody else's vision is. Um, but you know, or do we want to make what we want to make? Yeah. You know? And for me, like, I think that I like to, I like to, get lost and take pictures of things that are in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, my audience will find me or I will find an avenue for that art to be consumed. Um, but again, it's not about, it's not about like the money or the likes, you know, it's about does this, bring me joy like is this what i like to to do yeah and ultimately that's really all that matters at least that's how i feel you know obviously external validation is so i think important for like our self-worth and like but ultimately if we think about that if we look about it if we think about external external validation like is that just our ego talking is it just that we want to be as popular as the other person because then you know then it shows that, you know, we proved it to the, to these other people. Yeah. You know, and that's like, and that's, that's, that's the question. <laughs> you ask, you, know? you, you ask a lot of good questions too. I, I mean, I think I feel like I can't explain what inspires me sometimes to, and and the way that music comes to me and and the melodic nature that evolves and the lyrics and it's so intimate and personal mm-hmm. um but then couple that with there is a performance aspect to music and yeah. i certainly love to play songs live mm-hmm. and i think a lot of joy comes from other people connecting with the music. So yeah. 
I think a lot of art is created with no intention whatsoever for anybody to see it or to hear it. Mm. I mean, there's probably a cathartic mm-hmm. element around it where um, it feels like therapy. But when you do start to create art where you want to make money or you want to perform it or it's meant for other people to see or hear, that is such a slippery slope because then sort of the audience starts to uh, mold in with one's own intimate process. And then, of course, it feels really good if people like what you just made because it it, it is sort of evolving out of a very soulful, intimate space. And I, and I, I think that's where it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that like being an artist in this, in this new world, especially a musician, I think it's really hard. And when iTunes is, or when Spotify is paying you fucking 0.001 cent for every stream or something like that, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. You know, like how does anybody survive? And then you got to split that with the producer. You got to split that with your fucking agent. You got to split that with like all these other people. It doesn't, the math doesn't add up. And, and I, and I, yeah, it, it's just hard. It's hard out there, dude. Yeah. Tell you that. So but then if you can get, if you can get your art in like, if you can get the music in a movie or in a TV show, like absolutely, maybe there's more money that could come through, but then like, you got to get that in front of the right people. It's just like, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's difficult. And like you said, there's an excess. There's like a, an excess of, of art being released every single freaking day, nonstop, 24 seconds. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Last segment before you're okay with time. You have a little bit more time. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Um, so just try, you know, go go into the spaceship back to when you were much younger. When when did you have that interest in the visuals? When did you have that interest in capturing photography? And and then ultimately, when did it go towards nature? I, I, I think we all get acquainted with art in, in different ways? And, and, and how, do you recall moments when you were like, oh, this is definitely something that is interesting me and, and percolating the senses and I want to keep pursuing? You know, I, I grew up kind of like a pretty athletic guy. A pretty, then, wait, a pretty, did you say athletic? <laughs> yeah, athletic guy. Okay. You know, growing up, like my dad was like a professional soccer player for a little bit. Um, my mom was also extremely like athletic when she was younger. And then, like, I grew up playing all these sports and stuff. And then, um, were you born? Were you born here? Yeah, I was born in LA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Went to like uh, elementary school in Eagle Rock, and then my family moved to like Temple City. I always grew up like around East LA. Okay. And then I moved to Austin, Texas, and uh, lived there for a little bit uh, for about five years. And then when I came back, uh, it was like when I was sixteen, and so I didn't really have like a lot of friends. And my mom. Sorry to interrupt, but up until that point, art or photography was anything sort of hitting Uh, you or not even yet? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, okay, so basically the reason why I brought up the whole athletic thing is because when I moved to Texas, I kind of stopped doing like sports and stuff like that. So, like, I I just mostly was like skate, I like skateboarded a whole lot. Uh And so, with like my friends. And then I met this guy named Chris. And I got involved with like the band scene and it was like during the whole screamo era. And so I was like in a screamo band and like, it was like pretty cool. Um, and then I met my friend Chris and Chris was the drummer of this band and he was like really into web design. 
And he was like the first one that really opened up my eyes to like to to design in the sense of like, oh wow, like this is actually something that I could do for work. It's something that I'm really interested in. And it kind of like met I was always really good at technology too. So I was taking like like some like computer classes uh like in high school. And then I really like loved what Chris was doing because he was making like professional grade websites and he was like a fucking junior in high school. <laughs> and like I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Like even his designs now, like they're just so good. And so I was like, oh cool, I could do this. And then, you know, I had like some drop that kind of went down with my family. And so I ended up moving back in with my mom in LA. And one of the like caveats of the move was, um, you know, we'll get you like your own MacBook Pro. <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah. And we'll get you a camera. And I was like, okay, cool. So why a, cam- know, moving- why a camera? Well, because I always wanted one. Okay. Um, and like I, yeah, I dabbled a little bit in Texas, but nothing really like, yeah, nothing a lot. Not a lot. Um, yeah. So when I moved back, you know, this is like, I was like a junior in high school. So I like back in a new high school, like I didn't really know anybody. And so I was kind of like just hanging out with myself a lot. And, um, and so I like learned like everything on the Mac. Like I got this laptop and I was like, cool, like I'm just going to learn everything. And so I learned how to do everything on this computer. And then, and then they got me the camera and I was like taking a lot of pictures. And my mom took me to, um, she took me to Alaska when I was 16. Wow. Okay. And so that was, that was like the first big like nature trip, you know, cause being in LA and Austin, like they're pretty dry places, you yeah. know, like Austin is like pretty beautiful. I will say or like Texas is, is beautiful, but it's, it's not like, like Alaska <laughs> or <laughs> no cause the following year after Alaska, I went to Glacier National Park and we did this whole like month road trip around the like national parks in, in Canada too. So wow. it was like Banff, Jasper, like, and that, and those two were just like, like totally opened up my mind where I was like, wow, this is like, this is God. Like this yeah. is, this is, this is, this is what life's all about. Like just going to these places, like feeling, you feeling the nature, you know, looking at trees you've never seen before. Um, so I took a lot of pictures when I was out there, but this was like kind of with a digital camera. And so when I came back, um, I just started really becoming kind of obsessed with with Flickr at the time. You know, it's <laughs> funny that I want to say, like, I hate technology so much now, but, like, back then, Flickr was, like, the Instagram of the time. And so I just, you know, would post a lot there, and I learned a lot about what other people were posting, and and then I got my first film camera. And uh, it was uh, it was a Hasselblad 500CM, and, um, and, and I still shoot medium format to this day because that camera is, like, it's just what gives you the like the really the best quality pictures, I think. And, say, um, say the camera again one more time. That one was a, it's a Hasselblad 500CM. It's the one that they brought to uh, to space when they went to the first moon landing. So that was the one that took all the pictures of the moon. Okay. Um, and it's cool. There's no batteries. It's all mechanical. It's like a little box. Um, but yeah, that was so that so once I got that, it was just kind of like I just I just never wanted to stop. Um, but again, I think like, I don't know, I, 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 I always, you know, I used to be in my early twenties, like a, like a, a pretty huge perfectionist and I was like pretty judgmental of, of like other people. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, I think like growing up, you know, growing up in LA, like you just want to be the best, 
you know, and you want to like prove to everybody that you're the best. Yeah. And so, so I was really hard on myself and I never, I never really like had the confidence to be like, oh yeah, this is like what I do. Um, I just did it for myself and I always did it for myself. And, um, and then I fell into like design work and like web development. And so I started working like, and, and designing for, for people. Um, but photography has always just been like a really special, you know, it's like, a, it's my own little like special place where I get to like go and kind of exude like my feelings about, about existence. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like, yeah. So it, that's, it just started when I was younger and I just kept doing it and I still do it to this day. And now I think I've incorporated a lot of like, I was like when COVID hit, I just started incorporating a lot of poetry into my. Well, I was just, I was, I was about to say, you know, not only yeah. are your photos really great, but I do read what you have to say with them, and there's a lot of thought and uh, vulnerability and beauty in what you have to say too. So, like, it, I would, I thought, I thought that poetry would be something that you were interested in, also. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think like words. Yeah, words are, especially now with reading, like I think there's so there's so much, you know, the the idea of existence is such a hard concept to grasp that like I think with photography and with poetry, it's like it's the only way that I can like log my sense of self like passing through time. And um and and that's why that's why I do it. I mean a lot of times like a picture will make me feel a certain way, and then that feeling is just me kind of like trying to encompass what I'm feeling. And most of my poetry, like it happens as I'm posting it. So like I post it on, huh. I post the picture and then I look at the picture and then I write the poem at that moment. And then I post it. I'm not, I don't actually have like a book of poetry or anything like that. It's all just, yeah, it, it's all just like in real time, which is pretty wild. I think for me, actually. Well, it's interesting because, you know, we've been criticizing the technology world that we live in, but, uh, it's interesting in those moments when you're about to post it, you are inspired in those in those moments and create something that's actually really beautiful. Yeah, thanks. And I, and I, you know, and I'm like I'm trying to like you know readjust that too for myself, you know, because like yeah. I I have a lot of I have a lot of photos, man. I have like you know, so like this this is these are just like recent you know recent rolls uh -huh. that I still need to scan. But then I have, I have a whole like, a whole box of. Um, oh yeah, here's here's the other. Well, here's here's another, another set right here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So these are all. This is like, this is just all old work, like over the last ten years that I haven't scanned yet, that I just need to kind of like sit down and get through. And there's another few of those that I just showed you that are right over there too. And then I have a notebook right here, and this notebook I haven't scanned either. Yeah. So it's just a lot, like a lot of old work. And so I need to like, I need to just do it, you know? I need to go through and I need to just keep doing it. Yeah. Let yeah. Me, two, two quick questions and I'll let you go. There's something, I almost feel larger than life when I'm like, or or almost like, well, not only that, but sort of led by a spirit that I can't even... I'm not particularly religious, but there is a mm -hmm. sort of religious spiritual quality to bringing a piece of work to life. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I 
when I release it on Spotify or iTunes, I feel really good about mm-hmm. the quote unquote release. But when I release, mm-hmm. but when when I release moments on Instagram or social media, to me, it sort of like diminishes it in this weird sort of way. When you mm-hmm. see when you see your analog piece of art, especially in your case because it's photography, and I'm sort of like translating my music into a visual form that I think will be appealing on a social media platform. But when you're right, in like a visual way, but when you're actually taking a visual that's analog and then putting it onto this digital landscape, do you feel emotionally, uh, what's, what's going on emotionally? Um, I've tried to like release any feeling that I have about it. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I have, I have found that it's better for me to not build it up, you know, not, not, not make it think, not make it seem bigger than it is, which is a picture that I took that I want to share with other people. And, and the reason why I, I found that is because I, I don't know. I just, I just like, like, okay. One of my, one of my really good friends, he's also like, a, he's also a musician and he, I think has been cursed with perfection. Hmm. Like really, truly yeah. to the point where he won't release anything. And I've heard his music and it's amazing, but he will not release a goddamn thing because it is not good enough and it is not, it's not perfect. In his mind. But in his mind, right. Right. And so, so that idea of perfection, that idea that it needs to be a certain way, especially for something like Instagram, which is just like someone looking at it for a second and going by, I just like, I don't want to have any attachment to it whatsoever. Yeah. Because attachment and you know, this might be my own like my own um like coping mechanism. Attachment only brings um like dissatisfaction. Like you can only be let down um if you have attachment to something. Yeah. And for me, like I don't I don't want to experience life any part of it with attachment. I come to an experience with my, with like my own expectations of myself, but for me to expect someone else to match that expectation or for someone else to understand something and me put that on them, no matter what, no one will ever like reach the expectation that I put on them because, because it like, Cause that is like almost me devaluing the other person and being like, Oh, you didn't get, you didn't understand what I was trying. It's like, no dude, they just like their car broke down on the way here. Right. Or like their fucking grandma died like last week. Like there's, you know, or they had a fucking bad day at work. Like there's so many other things that go into what someone else is experiencing. And for me to like put my own expectations on it, I just don't, I just don't think it's fair. So yeah. I mean, I'm guilty of that too. I talked about it earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 just one last thing that I want to point out is like, you know, I think for so long when I was younger, like I was like, no, like I'm gonna be this person, I'm gonna be a photographer, like I'll finally make it, you know. Dude, making it is like making it doesn't even exist, you know. Mm. Like, like I've done so many jobs, so technically I've made it, <laughs> right? But like, like there will always be more hill to climb. So it's not. Like there is no peak to this mountain. There's no peak to life. 
Like it is, it is, it is constant moments like that are beautiful every day, every minute. Like today will be the same as tomorrow, but it's more beautiful because we're experiencing it like now. Does that, does that make sense? Sorry. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's interesting. I'll let you go. Um, you've really made a point to be sensitive around this word judgment. Mm-hmm. And um, I think some things that I've said about culture and society can be considered judgmental or generalizations. And even my point earlier about, I think it's um, a less pure society if we can't have sensitive and objective conversation conversations about what's good or bad. And I think mm-hmm. if, if I think something is not as good as it could be, one could say that that's a judgment or a criticism. And, and we live in this world now um, where it is so easy to judge. And, and I guess my question to you is, I think once, nat- and I might be wrong, so you tell me, or maybe your opinion is different, because I agree with you. I try to enter situations with people um, situations with nature, with art, with a open palette, with a clean canvas. Mm-hmm. But I do think we, whether we're aware of it or not, we walk into almost every situation with a quote unquote judgment that's sort of now, whether we allow that to lead the conversation or the experience mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. up is, I would like to think, up to us. But I think right. I think whether it's conscious or subconscious, we do enter most experiences with a judgment ready to sort of unleash itself. I mean, what what mm-hmm. are your what are your thoughts and and why are you? I feels like you're very aware of 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 this idea of of judgment. Um, yeah. Well, I think first of all, you're right. You know, we all have our own prejudices. We all have our own like ideas of, of things like no matter what, when we come into them and that's just due to the way that we were raised, you know? Yeah. Just due, due to like our experiences, like living in, in a society or in this society. Um, and, and I don't know, I think like for me, I, I just have always felt like the only person that I can ever control is myself. Like that's it. So so for me to come into an experience like completely agnostic is like, is, is just my own sense of like, of, of experiencing something like kind of earnestly without, without, without that prejudice, without a, a perspective, because a perspective will always cloud, I think our experience, you know, and, 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 and I, and like not to get too deep about this, but like, you know, we've all had like issues with our families, right? Like my, you know, I have like, I, I have a great relationship with my dad now, but there was like a long time when I didn't during my teenage years. And um, I held on for so long for this validation that I thought that I was going to get from him. Yeah. For him to finally see like my strife that I've had to deal with my whole life, yeah. you know? that day never came because his perspective and his 
life, like it didn't exist the way that I saw it. Hmm. And so I had to like accept the fact that like his reality was different than my reality. And if I wanted to have a reality together, I have to accept that his reality is different and he has to accept that my reality is different. And that's the only way that like, that I, I felt like I could have any sort of control over my experiences is like, Hey, he experiences differently and you experience this differently. And so am I going to like hold on to the fact that like I am right or am I not going to have, or am I going to have a relationship with my dad? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, and so it's like when family comes, right? Like not him specifically, but like other family, if the other family comes, like I know that they're going to have a perspective about the experience. And so I have to like, control myself that's the only person that can that's the only way that i can like steer the ship is by not expecting that my you know or or having no expectations in the sense of like being like being like like let's let's experience this the good and the bad without judgment because because we only we only have so much time in this life. Yeah, we only have you know, it's all finite. So like, let's like, let's experience it all. I think that's like really why I am that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah. think um, yeah, I relate. I connect with that, and I think I've 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 seen people. In my life, I won't say how close or far they are, that lead with, oh, I think I know this person or this place or thing without even, like, I already know. Why why bother experiencing this? Or I know how that's going to go. Or uh, or why... um, Oh, this person is this way. Okay, well, I know why, and and, and why to, why even bother? Like, what's what fun? Where's the fun in going into a situation or a relationship or meeting somebody if you're going there knowing how it's all going to go? Totally. Where's the curiosity, right? Like you said. Yeah. Like and, it goes back to the curiosity. Yeah. Like let like let's like let's let's experience this in earnest. And and actually, I think living a life that way. Um, you one has such an enormous ego because they think mm-hmm. they know how the experience or the person is going to behave. And in actuality, I think that ego is masking massive insecurity. Completely. Yeah. It's a, it's a safety. It's like, it's a, um, yeah, it, it's, I said, I said the word earlier, but yeah, it's what we hold on to, to, to cope with existence. It's our, it's their coping mechanism. Right. The only way that they can hold on to like what they think that they know. And the only thing that I truly know is that I don't fucking know. That's it. Right. You know, and that's, yeah. And that's, that's kind of how, how I operate. It's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm not going to pretend like I do. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just, let's, yeah. I guess. Totally. Um, the only reason, well, there's many reasons but one of the reasons I find a lot of joy in, in having a podcast is, and I don't want this to come across as egocentric, 
But I think I have still, despite my struggles with it, held on to my ability to listen to my inner voice and my instincts and my perspective on what's happening to our culture. And why, whereas I think a lot of people don't care and a lot of people mm. just, a lot of people just go with the flow. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important to retain objectivity, retain the ability to turn off the phones, retain the ability to be objective and have an opinion and be open and have the internal strength and confidence to share those opinions. Because if we don't, we're all going to sort of become robotic versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think these types of conversations, when people listen to them, I think I'm hoping they empower people to listen to that voice or, or, or do something that is not expected of you or go into a situation not with an ego, but, oh, wait, I want to ask some questions or learn about Nathaniel or learn about whoever they're meeting that night instead of like kind of half be there, but you know, the phone's in your hand, but you're out to dinner with this person. So you're kind of there, but maybe something's kind of you're like on the back of your mind that might interrupt the conversation. I, I just, mm-hmm. I guess I get a little, I want, I don't even, I'm trying to think of a sensitive way to say it. I just, I don't want human beings their their spinal cord to be uh, like this. Yeah, well, well, f- physically like that, but also the yeah. brain stem to be torpedoed by algorithms if if we're not oh, care- yeah, if yeah. we're not careful. Totally. No, I agree. We should have autonomy over yeah what we consume. And it doesn't feel like it. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. Well, I think like maybe to to end this yeah. to end this podcast, I, I'd like to read um one of my most recent poems, please, and then. But I think it does have has a lot to do with um, with what we've been talking about today. Great. So let me just pull it up on your phone. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> sorry. Um, I could have resist. Okay. Uh, spent time. Oh, here we go. Spent some time on another planet, away from my ego and alter ego, the compulsion to be liked and accepted and to seem impressive. I know it's just human nature, but self-worth should not rely on what you think your friends think or what the algorithm feeds you or what you think society is judging you for. Keeping up with the Joneses, running the rat's race, indoctrination at its core. The mystery of life is not a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. It's so funny how for about an hour and 15, 20 minutes, we've all we've been discussing and circulating around topics, but it's so poignant and powerful and beautiful when a poem can summarize a theme or thoughts in like, you know, 40 seconds. Totally. That's the, that's the beauty of poetry. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Yeah. I I completely agree. (laughs) Um, You know, man, I, I had, I, I'm not just saying this. I had zero expectations other than I was really excited to talk to you because I had a sense um, that you would have a lot of poignant and, and sensitive and, and um, powerful thoughts about juggling the, the strange world of, of art 
as it's sort mm-hmm. of as it's being influenced by by the world of tech. And and I I thought this was really um, wonderful. This was great. Yeah, yeah, same. I had no idea what we were going to talk about either, but I'm glad that we we got on the subject. And um, yeah, thank you so much uh, for having me on, Eddie. I I, I appreciate you reaching out. Um, and yeah, if anybody wants to follow me online, my uh, info is um, Nathaniel Perales. Uh, you can find that on Instagram or my website's NathanielPerales.com. Yeah, and and the intro, I'll make sure to, you know, cool share that and uh, yeah, have the deets and and the links to where they can go. But where's your totally. what's your um, uh, background? Where's your where are your parents from? Uh, my dad's uh, my dad's dad is Mexican. My dad's mom is Italian. And my mom's grandma, I think, is like a little bit Mexican. And then my mom's mom's or my mom's dad's like white, I think. Yeah, so I'm kind of like a little bit of a mix. I'm like yeah. half Mexican, half a little bit of French and Italian. Yeah, you know, I was nice. I I don't want to open up a can of worms because I, I want to say goodbye. But I was even just thinking about the way you look. Do you feel people are judging you and you want to make sure that you don't behave that way to the world at mm-hmm. large to the world at large? I've never experienced that. I have experienced people judging me. Um but I've 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 um I've never really like yeah, you know, I, I think like I, I think I'm just a very privileged person. I, um, you know, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, my mom's very well educated. My dad's very well educated, um, and and so I never really, um, I never really felt subjugated to be honest. And I think that um, I've had like racial issues, you know, from people treating me a certain way. Um, but it, 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 it hasn't like culturally, I don't think that like, you know, my grandfather moved here from Mexico in the fifties and he kind of like threw away his culture because it was so racist back then that he wanted to just be like a greaser in Chicago and fit in Yeah. and never tell my dad Spanish, you know, my, my, my grandma like only spoke Spanish really to my mom. And so I, I, I didn't really feel a lot of like cultural heritage to Mexico or even, you know, obviously like to Italy either, or, you know, I'm like a little bit French. Yeah. And, and so I felt overall that like, you know, it was weird that I'm born in this country, but yet no president looks like me and it's all just white, you know, it's all just white men. So I think growing up, that's what I experienced, but I never really have like used that in like my artistic practice. And I've, I've never really used it in in kind of any aspect of my life. It's just always been, you know, I I am who I am, and yeah. that's it. Great. Um, but I I mean I, I I will say one area that it has helped me a lot is tra- is traveling. You know, I can shape shift in a bunch of different ways. So going to Mexico, I'm Mexican. Going to Guatemala, I'm Guatemalan. Going to Turkey, I'm Turkish. Going yeah. to India, I'm Indian. So in that sense. It's very cool because <laughs> I fit in kind of everywhere. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's, it hasn't been a huge a huge part of like 
of my experience. Probably because you've you've lived in LA and 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 Austin and and Oregon. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. And and I and I will say like it's not like it's not like racism didn't exist in those places. Definitely in in Texas. Like I I, I have experienced it firsthand. Um. But yeah, I mean, I mean, growing up in LA, it's like it's a melting pot. So yeah. it's like, and plus, like, I'm around so so much Mexican culture in, in LA that it like, it, it it was never really an issue. I will say there is like a bigger issue of it here in Portland, <laughs> but um, but you know, honestly, like racism happens everywhere in the Absolutely, world. Absolutely, yeah. And and you know, I wish we could live in like a post a post race post racial world, but it's just it's not possible. Yeah, you know. Um. But I mean, but but I but I think like, you know, people who do feel called uh, in their artistic practice practice to have that perspective, like I I, I commend them. And um, yeah, uh, there's I'll, I'll just name one photographer if uh, if anyone who's listening um, wants to check her out. Her name is uh, Talia Gochez, and she is actually a friend of mine um, from Pastina, I think. And her her photography. Um, is kind of like, yeah, Chicano culture, but um, like almost like bringing East LA to like big editorial shoots. Like Nike even hired her to do a shoot, and it's like, wow, her work is is absolutely incredible. Um, Great, so cool, yeah, man. I was I wasn't expecting to take an hour and a half, so I appreciate you talking to me this long. I, I it means a lot. This was great. So I'll, I've got like a two others that I need to edit. So this probably won't post for like two to four weeks, but I promise you I'll let you know. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah sounds good, Eddie. It was awesome talking <laughs> to you. This was great, man. I've really appreciated it. I, I hope to talk to you soon. And uh, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Good luck on the music. Cool. Yeah. Later, All dude. Right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. See ya.